Welcome to episode number 325 of Destination Linux. Destination Linux is an awesome video podcast from the Text Digital Network. If you're new to the show, Destination Linux is a podcast perfect for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Jill. I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. And on this week's wonderful episode, we discuss the bridge between open source and proprietary. Then we discuss Cloudflare improving their open source software sponsorships program. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All this and more coming up right now on Destination Linux to keep those penguins marching. So this week's community feedback comes from Christian. And if you want to send in your own feedback, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contact and send us an email or join our forum at tuxdigital.com slash forum. You can also find us on Discord if you want to hang out, game with community, or just chat about Linux at tuxdigital.com slash Discord. Received this email from Christian, and it started with, really enjoyed your latest Destination Linux podcast about Wayland and Pipewire. I think you guys get it mostly right, but just a few clarifications, especially on the Wayland side. Now, first of all, thank you, Christian, for I love emails like this where you get to kind of fill in the gaps. But the email was really, really long, so I did my best to kind of narrow it down into your key points. Hopefully, I did them all justice in here. Uh, so here we'll is some of the awesome history that Christian kind of filled in in the episode last week. Wayland was originally created by Christian Hogsburg while he was working for Red Hat. However, Red Hat did not have the resources to commit to replacing X at the time, so Christian left and went to Intel. That's interesting. I had no mm -hmm. idea that that whole thing took place. So really interesting info. Also, and just Intel, a quick note, this Christian is not the same Christian that we're talking about in the feedback. It's a different Christian. True. Just true. interesting yep. that their names happen to be the same. <laughs> same. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Intel eventually decided to use Wayland for their media center effort and started investing more in it. Red Hat then decided to team up with Intel to help get Wayland over the finish line. We've talked about this on the show quite a bit, yeah. how Intel has been an integral part in oh, the yeah. open source community for a really long time, which in a lot of ways makes me want to always support Intel. Even sometimes when they make me frustrated with hardware, I still love them for all of the good stuff they do for yeah. open source, this being another example. Uh, Wayland development was slow in the beginning as it was mostly a one-man project from Christian. However, Red Hat and Intel continued to work on it and the community also contributed. Replacing X was a gigantic undertaking, so it was done in a gradual manner. For example, GNOME allowed users to switch back to X in the login screen for a while. Wayland has now reached a high level of parity with X and has surpassed X in some areas. However, there are still some challenges such as support for applications that directly interfaced with X. This is really interesting. We got a lot of great feedback from the folks, the developers working on Wayland project and Pipewire project after this episode. A additionally, you can kind of see why there was some delay in getting to the finish line here with this kind of pieces of history yeah. that we didn't have knowledge mm -hmm. of that were happening yeah. behind the scenes uh, that make it really, really fascinating. And we also had a lot of people saying that, hey, I'm trying out Wayland now because of that episode. And here are some bugs and things that I'm seeing um, reported, which, which is, is exactly what we wanted people yeah. to do. The more yeah. people are using and testing, the better it can be and the faster it will be done. You know? Yep. 
So goes on to say, Wayland developers are currently working on a Wayland remoting hack fest to help projects and companies move remoting applications to Wayland. Those always go amazing. Those summer code exercises or sprints or hackathons where all of these amazing, brilliant minds get together from the community with the developers and kind of knock out some of these big bug reports and things. So I'm excited about that. And then last, a clarification on Pipewire discussion, just to make sure everyone was clear that in Pipewire, Pulse and Jack are not layered on top of Pipewire. Rather, implementations of the Pulse and Jack protocols are layered on top of Pipewire. So that going back to our Pipewire discussion. The finish was, so as I said, I don't think you said anything wrong, but I thought it would be good to provide some further context, which I freaking love the further mm -hmm. context. Yes, thank uh, you very much. Yes, that's what I love about our community, helping to educate and to fill in some of those gaps in the life cycle of a project. And it makes a lot more sense. Like I was already okay with the idea that this is very complicated project. But then when you look at the history of it kind of starting and stopping and then the main developer going to Intel at a portion and Red Hat and also when you see that together. One person started it and most of the time it was one person. So for a while that's yeah. not practical to expect that to be output quickly, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So very awesome. I also wanted to give a really special thanks to all of the developers working on Wayland right now and the community members contributing and those opening bug reports. This is how we make Linux better. This is the this is the way. This, this is, the, is way. the way. Yes. Uh, we also got a comment on YouTube about X Wayland from an upstream X Wayland uh, co-maintainer saying that they don't expect it to ever go away. And this is an interesting thing because I talked about how eventually this might go away, but they were saying that there will always be X apps people want to run, which can't be ported to Wayland. So X Wayland is probably here to stay. You know, I don't know that I exactly agree with that. I mean, 32-bit programs are... Oh, never mind. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably be a long, long, long... Well, On, in Linux, 32-bit <laughs> programs are gone, but for yeah. other distribution or other uh, operating systems, that's not necessarily true. We do need classic uh, Unix uh, programs like DD to work, still work on Linux. So true, true. that's that's definitely a thing. And thank you, Christian, for all this filling us in on this history. I knew bits and pieces, pieces but I didn't know the whole history. And this, this email was wonderful. Thank that's really so surprising, much. Jill. Really I surprising. figured you would tell us a story about how one of your family members actually <laughs> is the lead developer of Wayland. No. And, huh. You learn something every day, Michael. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of amazement, let's talk about Linode, our awesome sponsor for Destination Linux. Visit linode.com slash tux, that's linode.com slash T-U-X, and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. From their award-winning support, offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, to the ease of use and setup. It's clear why developers and businesses have been trusting Linode for their projects, both big and small, since 2003. Linode offers the industry's best price to performance value for all compute instances, including shared, dedicated, high memory, and GPU instances. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible, allowing you to focus on your customers and not your infrastructure. And by accessible, what we mean is that you can set up stuff piece by piece if you want to, but also you could just use their app marketplace to quickly and easily set up things like a Plesk server 
or a WordPress website, or even Valheim and Minecraft servers for the people who would like to do their own self-hosted gaming. All of this is available when you visit linode.com slash tux and create your account. And when you do that, you're going to be getting a 60-day $100 free credit when you go to linode.com slash tux. That's linode.com slash T-U-X. Because as a member of the Destination Linux community, you get a special treatment there when you become a member of Destination Linode. So, Go check it out at Linode's awesome cloud platform, linode.com slash tux. All right, so Michael and Jill, it's story time. I want you to get your flashlights out. We're going to sit next to a campfire. Ooh. I'm going to tell you all a story. Cool. I want you to imagine a bridge. It can be any type of bridge you want. A steel bridge, a wood bridge, a concrete bridge. A gingerbread bridge. A cloud bridge. You guys are ruining my story. <laughs> There's you said no any such bridge thing. you want. Any okay, bridge fine, you want. A, fine. A gingerbread and cloud bridge. Okay, fine. cool, cool, cool. Right. Wait, can the gingerbread have marshmallows? Yes, fine, Michael. Okay, great. Oh, what about a s'mores? We're, we're, we're taking it all around like in full circle. Yeah, I like cotton candy, too, on my cloud. Cotton okay. candy bridge, yes. Just imagine it in your own head without telling me about it now. Okay. The bridge. <laughs> <laughs> it can have all of those things. Okay, good. On, on one side of this bridge is Michael. And That's over the there on side. that side of the bridge is Windows, Mac OS, and proprietary software. Of course. What? <laughs> That's Mike. That's Michael's side of the bridge. Where are you going with this? Well, okay. Hold on. Just let me tell my story, okay? I this see. is a good story. I spent a lot of time writing it. I may turn it into a book one day. <laughs> uh, now, on the other side of the bridge, and oh, on that side, Michael's also a troll in the story. On my oh. side of the bridge, oh, I see. Where, where, where I'm at, I'm a freedom-fighting warrior for open-source software. Interesting. And, yes. This seems this seems kind of like a thing that I remember of many, many episodes ago where we talked about this sort of bridge concept. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it was a gingerbread bridge at the time. But I remember <laughs> this happening in a, an interesting situation because we were talking about proprietary and open-source and how I was more willing to try proprietary stuff. But at no point, I just want to clarify, Windows is not in the equation. I don't know why that's part of your story. This seems like a complete fiction. You must be terrible for your parents when they were trying to tell you a fantasy story and then you keep interrupting them trying to bring facts into a fantasy story. When they tell story. me a lullaby, I'm enslaved. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aww. That's not how magic works. It's just a bridge too far, Ryan. That's all. Yes, exactly. A bridge to nowhere is where this, this story yeah. is going, Ryan. All right, all right. Let me get, let me get through my story here. Now, one day, bridge to Terabithia. Yes. Ryan, that's a great freedom, movie, by the way. Would you two are the worst? <laughs> <laughs> You're worse than a kindergarten class. Hey, that shit's the fantasy. Okay. Just cotton candy, remember? So put some of that in your mouth, and Michael put some of the marshmallows in yours so I can finish my story. Okay, got it, got it. All right. So one day, Ryan, the freedom fighter for open source and non-proprietary software, realizes he can't do something he needs to get done because the software he's using doesn't support the new hardware that he bought. And so Ryan goes to where everyone on Ryan's side of the bridge goes to for answers, the cloud, because... Cloud is powered by open source and Linux, but the cloud doesn't even have a solution to this problem. Now, on the other side where Michael is, Michael can do all the things he wants, but he can't afford the subscriptions and license fees to do his work. 
And Michael doesn't feel very secure with all the privacy policies he's forced to accept every 10 seconds or so with all the software. But then there is the perfect person in the middle of the bridge. And who would be the perfect person in this story? Of course, it would be Jill. Now, Jill uses whatever OS she wants to get the job done. She spends more time on Ryan's side of the bridge because it's happier over there and we have clouds, but isn't afraid to walk back and forth to Michael's side when needed to get the work done. And I think everyone should want to be Jill because Jill uses the best tools to get the job done, but prefers open source whenever possible. I would like to uh, just interrupt really quick right here and say uh-huh. that the majority of the time Ryan says stuff about me, it's made up. And yes. this entire story I mean, is no. made up. What? <laughs> no. Well, you're saying it's true. funny because, uh, I mean, I think we all sort of fit the Jill on the bridge side, yeah. you know? Of course, but that doesn't make a good story. It's not a, <laughs> yeah. hero, it's not a hero's journey then. But oh. there, yeah, there, because there's no, there's no villain. So <laughs> I'm the villain is what you're saying. Yes, of course. You're the villain. Okay. <laughs> what else would you be in a story that I completely make up? You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that that's fair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is why my bridge is in the clouds, Ryan. There you go. <laughs> Jill's in the clouds so she could swoop down to either side of the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> now, th- there's a reason why I made all of you suffer through this completely made up story. It's because this weekend I was going through social media posts about the Red Hat Summit. And there was a particular post that I don't want to say went viral, but it was getting a lot of popularity and a lot of comments on it where it was observed. The person was just observing that a lot of developers around the Red Hat Summit were using MacBooks. And another interesting thing is when Michael and I went to Self, we also observed the same thing. People even made comments about how many MacBooks and things were there. And of course, just because someone uses a MacBook doesn't mean they're not using Linux. You have yeah, I, a sloppy Linux, it. and yeah, I remember the time we went to Scale and Ryan had a MacBook with him. That was weird. No, that wait, that was Scale. I thought you were saying Self for a second, but you're right. Yes. So I went to Scale with a MacBook and had somebody come up and go, "What are you doing? You switched to Mac?" And I'm like, "It's Asahi." And Yay. then their their next question was. <laughs> But do you still have Mac OS installed? And so I had to reboot to show that it literally was just Asahi left on the MacBook there. Yeah. At that point. <laughs> Not that it matters, but that's kind of a perfect representation of my point here. Yeah. That it's it's okay. It's, it's okay to use whatever okay. you want to use, people. Yes. yes I, <laughs> Absolutely. The Linux and open source philosophy is superior in many ways. So it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from the Matrix movie when a Zion commander is talking to Morpheus and says, not everyone believes what you believe. And Morpheus responds, my beliefs do not require them to. And to me, that was like a very, very powerful moment when you think about your own beliefs and things. Like it's okay to be hardcore Linux and open source all the time. But just because somebody else doesn't, should not affect your beliefs in the open source stuff. And vice versa, really. Mm. And vice versa. And why is this a big deal? Why are we even bringing this up? Because I think when people make comments like that or even observations or post pictures like that, they know it's going to get a reaction. There was a moment a few years ago where somebody took a picture of, I think it was the Linux Foundation uh, president or something. That's the thing. They didn't even take a picture. It was no picture. Mm -hmm. It was just a tweet. It was just Just someone going on Twitter saying they saw this happen on a plane and that all of a sudden 
that it was an onslaught of videos and people comments yeah. and all these things of, like, attacking Mac. this person. And it yeah. was the CEO of uh, <laughs> Linux Foundation. And yeah. there was no evidence of it happening, but the, it, but even everybody if it did, anyway. who, who cares? I mean, like, yeah, who cares? It's especially considering that if you are creating a competitive product, you should know what your competitors have anyway. Like that's why the majority of the time when someone is a designer for a particular product, they also have all the other products that they are competing against so they can compare the two. You know, that's just how it works. I mean, on some level, if the person never used Linux, then and they're the president of a big Linux foundation. Sure, that that would be concerning. But in in Mac, even the new Macs with the M1 chips, it, they run Linux incredibly well with UTM in a virtualized environment, along with the incredible work that's being done on the Sahi mm -hmm. project and other things, along with the fact that Linus Torvalds himself happens to really like using his Mac to create the kernel that we all love so yes. much. So <laughs> if he could do it, I'm pretty sure we should be kind of accepting as others, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than just that. I want to give you some statistics here to kind of prove my point here. When you think about developers, all the developers, not just Linux developers, all the developers out there, there is a recent study from Stack Overflow, which is where a lot of developers hang out, work, share code, those type of things. And in their study, they found 50% of developers say they're contributing to open source software. 50% of developers are contributing to open source software. Mm -hmm. Stack Overflow reports that nearly 50% of those developers contribute to open source software projects on GitHub. And on GitHub alone, there are over 14 million developers contributing to more than 35 million projects there. All right, so 14 million, 50%, that's 7 million people. Now, do you think all 7 million people contributing to open source are using Linux? Yes. Well, you would be wrong. wrong. That's why you don't <laughs> yeah, join. <laughs> I know you were saying that coyly. That's why you don't oh. join Michael's side of the bridge, see? You're making the story more interesting, though, and I appreciate that. I was making it more interesting, and also yeah. I make, I'm confusing your story because now I'm jumping on the other side of the bridge completely with it skipping the bridge entirely. Yes. You know? <laughs> the gingerbread bridge. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, well, okay, yeah, that's true. I don't want to skip that. With candy canes on top. Right. So it sounds so delicious. Why do we keep adding more candy? And now, now this is candy <laughs> land. It's not even a bridge. We're making the bridge land. more appealing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it has cupcakes and not muffins. That would yes. be the How perfect dare bridge. <laughs> Jill, you shouldn't agree with that. That's no, I can't have it's gotta have both at least. Uh, one of our patrons is like, I really like this bridge. Yeah, it sounds are, delicious. Are more appropriate with frosting and candy canes. Exactly. Muffins are inappropriate. I'm gonna and get a sprinkles. shirt that says that. Jill, but you also added cotton candy. And I added marshmallows and chocolate. So, I mean, yeah. I, don't think, I think we're beyond what's appropriate. <laughs> I just thought of a new t-shirt design, though. Muffins are inappropriate. And that's it. No context. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or just so, beyond inappropriate. Or beyond inappropriate. So, what makes this interesting <laughs> is that if you look at the distribution of OSs that these developers are using, 61% use Windows. 
45% Linux and Mac OS at 46%. By the way, year over year, Linux and Mac have been battling for that spot. They've kind of been swapping, which is kind of interesting there. Um, and it's awesome to see Linux have such a big percentage. And you may be asking yourself, why is it over 100%? And well, I would think that it's because people to in this case would probably use more than just one OS. Exactly. Yes. That's the <laughs> point. And that to me is what's really interesting. It's okay to have Windows machine, a Linux machine, and a Mac OS machine. If you're a hardcore person that's in the privacy and security, I get stripping all of your home of any of those if you want, because you believe Linux is more secure and private. And that's fine too. Uh, this isn't saying that you can't do that. It's just the judgmental side that we see sometimes in the community of acting like, well, you have to just use Linux or only use Linux or how dare I see a MacBook at a Red Hat Summit or something else is the part where you have to realize that the people contributing to this code we love so much into the growth of Linux don't necessarily want to use Linux as an operating system. They want to use it for servers. They want to use it for cloud. They want to use it for Internet of Things. They want to use it for even coding and developing but they may want to use or have to use another operating system because of a software limitation or something like that. Yeah. Now, yeah. Michael, you talk about the open source philosophy when we were kind of doing the pre-show being superior. Yeah. And let's talk about that for a second. Well, I think that the, the open source and the Libra software as a philosophy is by far you know, the best approach to creating software to benefit society as a whole. But I don't agree with the idea that proprietary software or the people who make proprietary software are evil or attacking people or stuff like that. Because there's claims I've seen many times of people saying that. Now, is proprietary software ideal? Well, no, but claiming it is evil is a bit you know, too far. If proprietary software works and it's not doing anything malicious like stealing personal data or any of that stuff, I'm not averse to using it myself and I'm not averse to people using it in general. But the philosophy is of, of, of open source and Libra software is a very important thing and very critical thing, in fact, that I think it should be promoted. But it shouldn't be promoted in a way that if you're not doing this, you are automatically being a, a bad person or whatever. And that's the problem I see is that sometimes this is even said as a joke. But when someone is coming into the, the, the community, in the open source community, or coming into Linux ecosystem, and they see that kind of reaction to someone saying, oh, I have a MacBook, or I'm still using Windows to dual boot or whatever, the having some vitriol sent to them or some hostility sent to them, all you're doing is making them want to not interact with the community or maybe just leave and abandon all hope of using Linux. Because if that's what the experience they're going to get is, I don't think there's any incentive for them to stay. And there are times where it's just a joke, but it's not, it's an inside joke so that they don't really know that you're kidding. And I've seen people do those jokes on Reddit and things like that where they are not really fully aware that this is going to you know, push someone away. And I just wanted to put it out there and say, hey, if you've ever had a conversation like that and there's even a chance that person is not already in the community, this don't, like, let them use whatever they want because the whole concept of the philosophy is about freedom of choice. Like, software freedom is like you get to choose whatever you want, do with whatever you want. And then... It, this kind of thing makes me feel like it's freedom of choice unless you don't like the choice they made. Yeah. Yeah. Really good point, Michael. Yeah. I know with my students, what, you know, I, I start them using open source 
software on on Windows and on Mac OS. And that's how I transition them to Linux. Right. So it's a great no, tool. That's perfect. You can be and utilize 90% of your workflow in open source in a Windows and Mac environment. Yeah. Days. Yeah. Uh, for sure. you, you could still be using Audacity. You could still be using all these other tools that are out there, only Office, LibreOffice. You could use all of that in those environments. And I would rather see that people just adopting open source software um, then give him a choice, like either you move completely or mm-hmm. you're, dead. you're dead to me. That's uh, the type of philosophy. I mean, that's a good point because also it's it's like the uh, the boiling frog analogy of basically convincing people to use certain software that's compatible with Linux, and then once they get used to that software, they can easily transition to Linux at that point. So instead of saying, "Oh, hey, you should use Linux," but you're not going to be able to use all the apps. You can have them where they the stuff they are using is compatible, and then easily switch over. So that's what I do. Uh, you know, when I'm ever trying to convince someone, it's like, hey, you know, you should try this open source product first or open source app first. And I mean, I always go open source first for any kind of application, and I look for the open source solution before ever considering anything. Considering anything closed, I try out the stuff I find, and sometimes that software is fantastic, and I keep using it. But also sometimes it's not up to par. So there's other options to consider. And I'm not adverse to trying something that's proprietary, especially if that product does what I want it to do and does it well. And I don't think anybody else should be, you know, promoting a open source only approach because open source is amazing, but it doesn't solve every single problem for every single situation for every user. Yeah, Mm, absolutely. And, you know, any contributions to open source, no matter what OS you use is awesome. <laughs> Just growing the community and, and growing the software available is, you know, kudos to you to the users, you know, developing on Windows, contributing to GitHub projects with open source. I think that's commendable. And, you know, there are more developers on the Windows side, so it makes sense that that is the OS that lots of open source is created on. It just it just makes sense. Yeah. Well, that and I think when you think about the hardware world, like PCs are really, really boring right now. Thankfully, there's one PC that actually has me excited for PCs again, and that's the Framework 16-inch laptop. Mm. That's Yay! Coming but for outside sure. of the frameworks, like going through a Best Buy or a Micro Center and looking at the latest Lenovo or Dell or any of those Microsoft Surface, it's so boring as a hardware addict as somebody Mm -hmm. who loves hardware (laughs) pc is going through the most boring phase of its existence whereas if you look at mac it's very exciting over there on the hardware side especially what they're doing from a laptop perspective so that's why you see a lot of people linus included being kind of lured from the hardware perspective and you have awesome projects like asahi going hey i can get linux to work on that uh which is really cool but I think that there's some realization of that, too, that we have to kind of realize the market that we're in. And PC is just flopping mm-hmm. terribly at the moment when it comes to even the hardware side, not just talking about software. But you mentioned, Michael, that there's certain software that open source doesn't really have a great uh, option for your specific need. Right. Oh, and yeah, I think sure. DaVinci da is something me and you both recently mm-hmm. have realized that. While Caden Live is amazing, and for 99.9% of everybody, including a lot of the stuff we do, it's not only amazing, it's just out of this world stellar, but DaVinci is at a 
whole other level of professional yeah. creation. And you can't even really compare the two products when yes. you go into a professional level. That's totally true. And the thing is, the whole thing about DaVinci versus Caden Live, Caden Live is fantastic. It can do basically whatever you want it to be doing. You want it to have nice transitions. You want to be able to have quick cuts and nice customized shortcuts and all this sort of stuff. Caden Live can do all of those things. But the difference between something that is good enough and something that is professional level stuff, that's where we're talking about things that just optimize the process. So DaVinci Resolve is not just better in the way it does certain things. Sometimes it's actually a little slower than Caden Live would be, especially if you're learning in the way that I am is going from Caden Live to DaVinci and seeing the different like methods and processes, it can be slower. But the difference is the potential that DaVinci has to speed up the process, whether that's effects or transitions or animations or anything like that, or keyframing. And in some cases you don't even need keyframing. Like there's a feature to easily and quickly have a dynamic zoom that all you do is click a checkbox and then boom, it has a zoom on it. That sort of thing isn't possible in Caden Live. You have to do keyframing, you have to customize the effects and go into each different keyframe and modify it and all that sort of stuff. So the value that you have for these kinds of tools is it's just so much faster and so much more freeing in some cases because you can spend less time on something to the degree of maybe 10 times less amount of work, maybe even more than that in some cases, like depending on how complex the effect is. And if you go into other things like Photoshop versus GIMP, which is a conversation I've had a thousand times with people who are so offended that I like Photoshop or PhotoP, which is what I really use, or anything like that, like Affinity Photo, because all three of these things are proprietary. They have different levels of proprietary. One's ad-based and one's only 50 bucks, but the whole fact that they're even remotely proprietary makes it somehow a problem. And they constantly tell me like, well, GIMP can do everything that blah, 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 blah. No, it can't. It just can't. There's things that are easier to do in a professional level in the other tools. And there's also things that GIMP can't do at all, like just non-destructive editing. When you're talking about creative work, mm -hmm. destructive editing is the worst way to do it. So the fact that GIMP is that by default means that it's not an option for professionals. And there's other situations you can apply that to other tools. It's just there are certain ways that a professional tool handles something that a, a non-professional tool doesn't consider. And in some cases, the open source solution is amazing, like Caden Live, and in some cases, it's not. So it just depends on what it is. And I think that it should be totally okay if someone prefers to do something in an, an application that is proprietary, especially if it's for professional work. Because yeah. the more time you save to do professional work, the more professional work you can do it's and therefore the more business. money you can get. Right. You know. I think about other examples of Microsoft Office versus only Office and LibreOffice. I use only Office 90% of the time, but when it comes to my work stuff, I can't take the chance something's not going to be formatted correctly, sending right. it to an executive. So sure. I'm going to be in Office. Um, AutoCAD versus FreeCAD. Um, there could be some arguments there, but there's definitely some advantages between AutoCAD versus FreeCAD and probably vice versa. But area, there are areas too, because this is not a slam on open source saying open course, source isn't yeah. professional either. It's very professional. There are, there are situations where open source software is better than any Absolutely. of the proprietary offerings out there. Blender. And Blender is one of them. <laughs> operating system itself. Yeah. Uh, OBS, HedgeDoc, Standard Notes, the entire cloud, uh -huh. 
would be a perfect example yeah, of Kubernetes where is Linux. a very dominant thing that is open source yeah. that people love. You know, like th- there's so many. And OBS is something we use every single episode we d- we make. Uh, there's the Blender is a very very powerful thing that has had decades of production used for in in Hollywood films and stuff. Like it, there's a lot of stuff that can be done in a professional level that is open source. There's and and we like those and we appreciate those and we use those. Um, but you know, in some cases, I would say that percentage wise, it's more the other side. Just there's more options in the proprietary level. And I'm not just I'm not trying to say that proprietary is better. It's not Philo- philosophically, it's a horrible thing. But there's also the context of commercialization. If you're going to sell something for fifty dollars, but you give it away for free as well, and anybody can just go and take a copy and you know just give it to everybody else. That is there is there is incentive to do open source when you're talking about a enterprise level where you're selling something that is a massive value, a massive cost. But if you're selling it for 50 bucks and someone could just go and take it, there is incentive to make it proprietary. So I don't really see it as there's only this or that. I think it's more the the best option is to say use whatever you want and don't vilify people for what their perspective is, you know, regardless of what that might be. The person who got me into Linux and my own personal story was, and and a lot of people know this is I was doing YouTube videos on privacy and security in windows because that's what I knew. And then someone just left the comment that said, Hey, if you like privacy and security, you should check this out. And I think it was tails. They recommended at the time. That makes sense. And so there was no pressure. It wasn't like, oh, you're so stupid. You're talking about privacy, security, and Windows? Lol, you idiot. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Because I don't think that person would have converted me to Linux Definitely not. by doing mm-hmm. that. But by simply recommending that, hey, if you like this stuff, you should check this out, which after I saw that comment, I sat there and started learning about Tails and what is this Linux thing? And then they did a whole bunch of videos on Linux, which were completely wrong, by the way, because mm-hmm. I didn't understand desktop environments and operating differences between the desktop environment and kernels and all these different things going if in you'd there. You'd like so- to see Ryan being wrong a lot. You should go back to check out his 30 days of Linux channel. <laughs> people were so nice about it, too. Like Somehow I found like the greatest people, and I think that's because that's yeah. the majority of the open source community, who were all like, Hey, oh, you yeah. should do some research on what a desktop environment is. Hey, you should do some research on the different distros out there. Like they Linux were community really is, kind. Is, is very nice. And like, yeah. I think the problem is, is that the, when there's also this debate about the Linux community being toxic, I've seen people say that all the time and not all the time, but I've been in Linux for so many years that I've seen it many times. And there's this one thing I would like to point out about this specific thing. And that is, the people who are toxic are not a lot. They're just really loud. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. really just noisy. really loud. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> very true. Yeah. So and, I, go ahead. Oh, thank you to that that person who told Ryan. Have Have you considered using Linux? Thank yeah. you so much. Because without that, I wouldn't have met him. Oh, we wouldn't without all that. Be this here show together. wouldn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> you know, sweet. That's true. So whoever said that message. We're gonna get like, yeah. like a plaque of like yeah. the, helping Ryan see the light. Yes. yes. Helping Ryan <laughs> see the light. I love it. So yeah, at the end of the day, I think we could wrap this up by just saying that it's an amazing philosophy. We love open source, oh, yeah. obviously. We promote the heck out of it on this show. I think we've brought 
thousands of people into Linux easily yeah. uh, from it's been this years show. promoting open source and Linux and all of that stuff. <laughs> like of, clearly, we are big fans of this, right? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But I think one of the things that we want to to kind of call out is just making sure that we welcome everybody because a lot of the people who are making the cool projects that you love aren't necessarily using Linux as their OS, and that's fine. It's cool. Like use yeah. what you have to get the job done and we just love that you're contributing code for free to the yeah. bigger cause here. absolutely yeah. and also speaking of welcoming i'd like to tell another bridge story oh uh, no no you yes. can't steal my idea <laughs> yeah, i have a bridge story too <laughs> many episodes ago in a far far distant galaxy of podcasting we discussed open source versus proprietary and that faithful day ryan introduced a concept about how I was on the wrong side of the bridge. Are there cupcakes on the bridge? Shush, because I was open to the idea of proprietary software in, like isn't always a bad thing. And that made a, a very complicated bridge topic. But fast forward to today, and um, I'm not going to say I told you, so, told you so, Ryan. What about Twizzlers? Do you think there's Twizzlers on the bridge? Yes, and no, the Twizzlers are the ropes that hold the bridge I, up. Yeah, clearly. Oh, there yes. we go. I love Twizzlers. Twizzlers are yeah. great. Yeah, uh, okay, you're not going to sidetrack me. I am not going to say I told you so, but I will say welcome to the right side of the bridge. No, Aww. I'm on the middle of the bridge with Jim. We're all, we're yeah. all on the middle of the bridge. No, we're all enjoying Twizzlers and, can, and, and muffins and uh, candy canes and s'mores. In my story, you're an evil troll with like big teeth sticking out of your gums and everything else I on see. the proprietary side. So in my story, I actually welcome you. And in your story, I'm a villain. Is that that's how this Aww. works? I don't Pretty think much. I think that's a bit unfair, Ryan. We Aww. need to Jill we need to story. have a, re a rewrite. That's just yeah. a rough draft. <laughs> yeah, Ryan. Well, I am in the middle of the bridge where the unicorns are. <laughs> yes, I love unicorns. But, but uh, honestly, I always choose the open source Linux OS, even if I use proprietary software when needed. And honestly, in my use cases, if there is proprietary software that requires Windows or Mac OS, I run them in a virtual machine. Yep. And for, for me, that works. And for a lot of people, that works. I use VirtualBox and GNOME boxes. But when I need hardware acceleration for my GPU to run programs, such as from Adobe, I use VMware Workstation Player. And uh, like you and Michael, I use open source software first when it's available and when I can. <laughs> but right. sometimes I have to use closed source software for work, such as the Maya 3D animation software on Linux in combination with the open source blender because in yeah. the industry the the studios often use three or four applications in concert and uh, you need that maya is such <laughs> a cool piece of software i yes was working with my brother on his game development many many years ago and i was doing some of the character creation in maya not having known anything oh, about wow. maya yeah. And but I was fascinated at some of the pre-created templates that you could do and edit the human figures and things were just so cool. Like yeah. Maya Maya is an amazing piece of software. But yeah. It is. Well, I like Jill's story the best. And Jill's story, <laughs> I'm the hero, Michael's the villain. And I don't Jill think that's how that story came as out. As unicorns. So that's <laughs> great. Yeah. The unicorn part was true, but I don't think the rest of it was accurate. Your interpretation was a little flawed. You're gonna have to rewrite your book report. I will. I'll work on my story and hopefully I get it published and everyone goes and buys my new book, Michael the Troll. Oh, Ryan, I give you <laughs> C minus. 
B minus. <laughs> I'm kidding. Do you from think that's no? Whoa, whoa, whoa! From Jill, that is savagery. Yeah, B minus. Jill's from probably Jill. never given a B minus in her life. Yeah, that's like yeah. an F from a normal teacher. Yeah, yeah. Normal teachers would be like, yeah, yeah, just don't even come next next time. Just don't even right. bother. And Jill's like B minus. Like that's the same thing. You just got just totally wrecked, Ryan. Yeah. Aww. Well, no, we we all have a plus 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 plus. Oh, there we go. That's better, Jill. With a little smiley face too, because when yeah, teachers did that, absolutely. you know you did something. I do that, good. and I sometimes do a little heart. Oh, yeah. Of course you do. <laughs> I wish I had Jill as my teacher growing up. I probably would have enjoyed school a heck of a lot more than mm-hmm. I ended up enjoying it. You know, there's another example though. This is a perfect example of a case where the software is so good that people were using it not knowing that it's even open source because it's just the best option out there. I mean, a lot of people use it, probably don't even realize Bitwarden's open source. And this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. Bitwarden's a password manager, allows you to have peace of mind knowing your online accounts are secure, provides you with tools to store all your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords and usernames for you, and even automatically fill them in so you don't have to. You can access your data across many types of devices, web browser, mobile apps, desktop application, even the command line, Windows, Mac OS, Linux, it doesn't matter. It works on everything. Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started, and I mentioned you can get started for free. They have a $10 per year, per year, not per month, premium account, you get a gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, Priority Customer Support, so much more. Make the smart move. Go to bitwarden.com slash T-U-X and get started. Thanks again, Bitwarden, for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. In the news this week, we're going to be talking about Cloudflare. This Cloudflare is a company that provides a lot of cool cloud services. For example, they have a CDN or Content Content Delivery Network, uh, Cloud Cybersecurity, DDoS Mitigation, and ICANN Accredited Domain yes, Registration you can, Services. <laughs> yes, I can. Because mm-hmm. that's the name of the organization. So for those who are not familiar with Cloudflare, they describe their capabilities like this. We protect entire corporate networks, help customers build internet scale applications efficiently, accelerate any website or internet application, ward off DDoS attacks, keep hackers at bay, and can help you on your journey to zero trust. Well, first of all, who's still using DOS to hack people, really? DDoS. DDoS. Oh, Not bad. the disk operating system. Who's <laughs> still using DOS? Actually, you, you could have just, just ended it. It's, who's still using DOS? <laughs> right. Just cracked me up seeing DDoS in there. DDoS, yeah. Denial service attack. Distributed denial of service attack. DOS. DDoS. <laughs> DDoS. Not DOS Geek. <laughs> oh, yes. DDoS Geek. That's what it's the says. one geek. Little story. I loved DOS. It was the first OS I used, and I thought of naming my channel DOS Geek. D O S Geek. Uh, oh. That grew up, but ended up oh, going okay. with DOS as in the German word for the, and it's the geek. DOS yeah. Geek. So there you go. That is a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually more unique too, so that's it's good. There you go. Because I'm sure there's been a lot of DOS geeks over the years. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Not the only one. But at the time, I thought it was because there wasn't internet. There but wasn't internet <laughs> back in the day. 
Before we had the cable. Before internet, the web. <laughs> before the fiber existed, we had to use this thing called a phone call that allowed you to get on the internet with some weird, crazy sounds every single time you attempt. Screeching. I miss that sound, though, sometimes. Nostalgically, you miss it to just yes. to hear it for one time. But if you let's say you heard it 20 times a day. No, yeah, I hated it back in the day. <laughs> yeah. It's just nostalgic now, you know, to yeah. come up. But anyway, My favorite thing, player. I saw a, a, there was actually a musician who included that sound as part of the beat. Yeah. Very yeah. impressive. That's awesome. But it was also <laughs> irritating, but it was very impressive. Yeah. Anyway, so none of this stuff is we're talking about is necessarily free. They do have some free plans and some free services, but what we're talking about is not. But they've had a sponsorship program since 2018 for open source projects. And that's the most important thing because we're talking about Very their cool. changes that they're going to be making for this program. So, yeah, they've had a sponsorship program this entire time. They had this to say about their prior sponsorship program. In 2018, they first launched their open source software sponsorship program. And since then... They've been listening to people's feedback and realized it's time to introduce a fresh and enhanced version of the program that's more inclusive and better addresses the needs of the OSS community. So they did just that. The program is now open to any nonprofit and open source project. Mm -hmm. The benefits of the program include free Cloudflare Pro Plan Zone upgrade, access to requested products subject to approval of the product team, and additional resources and support through their community forums and Discord server. So I just like that Cloudflare was like, hey, we're already doing this thing. We're offering some of our services for free, but people need some additional help in the open source community with these projects. So let's make it even better. And this is the perfect example to me of a company that's selling a commercial product out there, but understands the needs and benefits and amazingness of the open source community, wants to give back and is doing something really cool to give back in a much better way and be a good partner. And I would imagine the reason why they're willing to do this is because those who were asking for additional benefits were probably doing so in a very nice and professional way for the most part. And so yes. it makes it more tempting to be like, yeah, let's give them some additional benefits and hook them up. Also, yeah. Cloudflare is very good. I mean, their services are solid. I've used them in a lot of different ways. And their domain system of being able to, they even have a free plan for some of the domain stuff, not necessarily registration because you have to pay for the fees and stuff of just even the ICANN fees. So there's no way for them to do that. But they do have a process where you can have a domain already and then sort of use them as the name servers and get a bunch of benefits from that. And they have a free plan for that, which I have used and it is solid. The stuff I've used, the CDN stuff is, is impressive. So the mm -hmm. fact that Cloudflare is giving these away to open source projects isn't just because they're helping open source projects. It's they're giving away really good services to these projects. Yeah. They're really being a good steward of the community. And also, you know, they're one of the, the largest uh, companies used uh, on the internet for these services. So it behooves then them to support more open source projects mm -hmm. since, you know, the internet runs off mostly open source projects. So yeah. it, makes, it makes sense. <laughs> Very good point. But this is a perfect example of a situation because they're doing this in a mm -hmm. professional environment. If I needed some of these services, I'm going to go support Cloudflare yeah. Before yeah. other people, because I want to help a company that's willing to help open source Absolutely. projects exactly. out. So for all those listening out there that are deploying these type of services, check out Cloudflare next time for because they're a big patron of the community helping out here. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. 
So, Jill, we talked about in the imaginary bridges unicorns and things like that, which are cool. Those are cool animals, like the horse with the horn and wings. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love that? But there's another animal that I think probably is even better than a unicorn. Oh, not not better, but challenge just as cute. laid down. <laughs> An alpaca or a llama is, is good too, but in this case, it's alpacas. So, with reviews like the greatest game ever played and a soundtrack that rivals the Beatles, <laughs> we actually may have found the perfect game, and it's only 99 cents. And yes, Amazing. it's called Alpaca Sprint. <laughs> this game is, is really fun, and it describes its complexity with just a simple sentence. Run, dodge trees, and see how far you can get in this retro arcade-inspired runner. So complex. <laughs> the complexity. So complex. How did they manage to get that down into one sentence? They must have used AI or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way they could possibly imagine, yeah. you know, hmm, the complexity of this they... game. Someone put in the, in the quote in one of the video on the Steam, it says, the learning curve is too steep. Yes, yes, that was hilarious. Run and dodge trees, learning Aww. curve too steep. Well, I found a pocket sprint. Is, it's an adorable in, infinite runner featuring one of the greatest animals to ever exist. This according to the developers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I enjoyed the 8-bit graphics and MIDI tunes in this side scroller where you navigate your running alpaca over trees and different different uh, varieties of trees. Just make sure not to slam into one to just bounce over it. <laughs> Must be tough to be an alpaca up yeah. there. Alpaca. Alpaca. And they do, llama, they llama, do llama, jump llama. pretty well. They do jump pretty well. And, you know, this game, Alpaca Sprint, is, is a fun way to kill time. And, you know, <laughs> some people out there are excited about the release of Diablo 4 or other AAA titles. But nothing could eclipse the amazingness of Alpaca Sprint. So go grab Alpaca Diablo Sprint. Diablo 4? Ugh, why? You can play alpa Alpaca Sprint. Yes. For 99 cents yes. versus $99 for the di new Diablo, by Absolutely. the way. Absolutely. So, you so know. You can uh, go get Alpaca Sprint on Steam or on Android. It's available on mobile for only 99 cents. I got a question for you, Jill. One of their claims, the greatest game I ever played. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, but a soundtrack that rivals the Beatles. Did you find the MIDI rival? No. The mm. <laughs> it was just it was a fun retro flashback to what uh, what soundtracks used to sound like. <laughs> I like the developers having fun while creating a simple game Absolutely. and not taking it too serious, even when they're releasing it for ninety nine yeah. cents. That's a fun game to burn some time there. Yeah. So our software spotlight is Craft OS PC. We have a Linode Minecraft server, and it's been fun to watch my kids create all kinds of structures in this world. Like, it amazes me. It's a digital version of Legos, in a way. It's a simple game on the surface, but the complexity of what people can create, if you watch these YouTube videos in Minecraft, will blow your mind. Like, they have taken this sandbox environment to this extraordinary level in some cases. So our software spotlight this week is CraftOS PC Accelerated, which is a fantasy terminal that allows you to write and run programs inside an 80s-style text console, and it emulates the popular Minecraft mod ComputerCraft, which allows people to add programmable computers into Minecraft using the Lua programming language. 
So CraftOS PC takes this experience outside Minecraft, allowing you to run the same programs anywhere you go. So what are oh, some cool. of these same programs? Well, there's APIs in there. Mm -hmm. There are like note-taking and task-managing applications and things. Like I said, this Minecraft game sandbox, like what people do inside of it, making real functional yeah. transistors and things inside of it is just, it's stupid crazy. There are programs, like I said, that are games as well that you can test drive. Not everybody's probably going to be into this software spotlight, but I know a lot of our community loves Minecraft. So those that do want to make sure you're aware of it. CraftOS PC Accelerated, go check it out. Yeah. It's also just, you know, like you were saying, Ryan, it's a great uh, way for for new people in programming to learn programming. And it uses yeah. Lua. And I it even has a little, little drawing program in the terminal. And it's got... Boy, it has a snake program, a snake game, <laughs> and a, a text adventure. Game. Yeah, so and it, and it covers all the bases, so it yeah. does a good job. And this is, you know, good for for kids to learn programming as well. So or adults, or adults, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Especially if you want to learn Lua, this is a great great way to do that. Right? Do you want to feel powerful in Linux? Yes. Well, you can leverage the awk command, Ryan. Awk. Awk. Like oh. awkward, but not awkward. Oh, awk. A-W-K. Right. <laughs> okay. Yes, exactly. A-W-K right. is a pattern-directed scanning and processing language. And that might sound complex, but it, it is. That's why it sounds that way, because it is. But it also isn't that difficult to use. You can check the links in the show notes for more details and also some details that we have just in the show notes itself that will tell you some examples of what you can do. But first of all, we're just going to say that you could do uh, you could have it input or print stuff to your terminal by just creating a file and then running a simple command that it outputs the data. And then you could also run other commands that would be able to count the, the amount of lines inside of the file. And there's other things you can do, which I feel is probably the most valuable for why I use awk when I do use it, is that you can create a filter, take some text that you find in the file, output that text as a variable, and then pipe that variable into other commands. So you can use awk to make a very powerful command for whatever you want to do it. I do it right. for scripts, for being able to automate some certain things, be able to take something from a, a bunch of lines in one file and then output them into another file or into doing you know whatever else you want to do with it. It's a very powerful feature. So if you want to do... Uh, stuff with awk, you can start simple, but there's also going to be a lot of complex stuff that you'll need to do if you want to master awk. So we'll have a bunch of links in the show notes. Well, this episode was not awkward at all. A big thank not you all. to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. Join us on Discord at tuxdigital.com slash discord. If you want to watch the show live, you can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com slash membership. Exactly. And watching live is just one of the awesome perks that you get. When you become a patron or a member, you get access to all sorts of stuff, including unedited versions of the show. And in this episode, I really hesitate giving that unedited version because it was a mess. There was a, <laughs> a good mess. It was a good. It was a, a, good, it's, it was a funny very mess. enjoyable. If you watch it, you will enjoy the unedited version. I'm just saying that there's going to be a lot of editing for me. When I we mean, do for me, it was a llama fun to make this episode. It's a llama fun. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, so there's also things you can do, which some patrons are able to join us live. When you do join us live, you can 
hang out in the patron-only post show that happens every week after the show. So this and so much more, because it's not just Destination Linux you're becoming a member for, it's the entire network. So This Week in Linux, Hardware Addicts, Linux Out Loud, and Destination Links are all included in these. So go to tuxdigital.com slash membership to check it out and see what you can get by becoming a member. Also, go right now to tuxdigital.com slash store where you can check out all of the awesome swag that we have. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, coasters, stickers, and so much more. So go to tuxdigital.com slash store. And make sure to check out all the incredible shows here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel. Make sure to watch uh, Ryan's latest video. Uh, We have Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, Linux Saloon, and our newest show to keep your body and your minds fit, fit and fueled. And everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a wonderful week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.